Welcome to the podcast, Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage, where it's all about discovering the thoughts that get you in the mood, the thoughts that get you out of the mood, and how creating a deeper connection with yourself creates a deeper connection with your spouse. I'm your coach, Shelly Anderson, coaching you through life, love, and intimacy. This is episode number 135, How to Distinguish Lust from Love. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me for today's episode, where we are going to take a closer look at the concept of lust, because this word comes up a lot in casual conversations that I have with people. I always find it very fascinating to listen to the way they use it in their sentences and if what they are saying is actually true. Sadly, it seems like this word gets thrown around a lot when we are the ones that are actually struggling with our own desire to be intimate. Now, because most women experience receptive and responsive arousal, and while men experience spontaneous arousal, we are going to go through this episode with those concepts in mind and use that as the basis of this conversation, meaning that most of the women listening to this will have a lower desire to be intimate with their husband who does have the higher desire. Therefore, the wife is usually the one that will be using the word lust in reference to the way she thinks her husband approaches intimacy. But just know this may be reversed and can still apply in that way. So let's get into it. Let's start off by taking a closer look at the definitions of this heavy word and see how it's showing up in our lives. The word lust in its noun form can be defined as an intense or unbridled desire, lasciviousness, sexual desire that is especially strong and uncontrolled, a craving, a strong enthusiasm or eagerness, pleasure and delight, wanton, personal inclinations or wishes. So now we have a pretty good baseline of the word lust. But did you notice there were some pretty interesting aspects to those definitions that really deserve some more of our attention? We learn that there is an element of intensity that comes with lust, an intense sexual desire, but even more importantly is that it is considered unbridled. Now, most of us know what a bridle is, but just in case anyone doesn't, a bridle is a device that is used for controlling a horse made up of a set of straps and closing the horse's head, a bit, and a pair of reins. It's put around the horse's head so that the horse can be restrained and not allowed to run off wherever it wants, whenever it wants. The results that come from using a bridle can actually lead to some amazing things, like being able to guide the horse while you are on it and get from one place to another. This makes travel to a specific destination possible. It's actually quite amazing. Using a bridle also allows us to actually get quite a lot accomplished. 
Think about how much a bridle on a horse has benefited mankind as a whole. We have been able to put the horse to good use throughout history simply by being able to direct them. We've been able to transport goods from city to city, expanding towns and their access to supplies. We've been able to herd cattle and have beef and meat as a result. And we've been able to defend our country's freedoms back in the day by having warriors on horses and knowing that the bridle will allow us to lead them where we need to go. If horses were just allowed to run unbridled whenever they wanted in a battle, that would be a disaster. The bridle allows us to channel all of the horse's good energy into the right directions. But let's take things just a little deeper now. Lust was defined as lasciviousness, which means producing sexual desires that are considered indecent or obscene and lewd. This signifies sexual desires that are so excessive that they become disgusting, crude, vulgar, and offensive. This starts to lean towards an aspect of being somewhat evil or even wicked. It also leans towards the concept of being licentious. This root word of licentia is like having a license to do whatever you want. It signifies lacking legal moral restraints and disregarding sexual restraints that are governed by law when it comes to sexual relations. I find this very fascinating that there are even hints of legal components when it comes to where our sexual desires need to be directed. So most of these definitions and concepts will be important to pay attention to as the wife applies them to her husband and his sexual desires. But even more important is what he actually does with his sexual desires. This is so important and definitely worth repeating. Having sexual desires that are stronger than his wife's is not actually the problem. Those desires being left unchecked and unrestrained and being allowed to take over and become something that is mainly self-indulgent is. If sexual desire takes a path that becomes abnormal, corrupted, or altered from its original purposes with unacceptable or perverted practices, that is when lust has entered the picture. We really have to be aware and be careful not to judge our husband simply because his desire comes on more quickly, more easily, more frequently, and more spontaneously than ours does. Nowhere in the definitions of lust do we find that a husband having a higher frequency of sexual thoughts about his wife qualifies as lust. And nowhere in the definitions of lust does it say that if a husband's thoughts about sexual intimacy with his wife come quickly and spontaneously, that he is in a state of lust. Just because a husband's arousal does come on more quickly, easily, and frequently does not mean he is lustful while we are wholesome. So the main issue with lust has to do with control and whether sexual desire is being controlled as well as directed and channeled and guided or not. 
Lust is not about having sexual desire in and of itself. It's about managing it in a way that is beneficial for both spouses. If sexual desires become unbridled and ends up directing, getting directed towards someone who is not their spouse to fulfill their own selfish sexual gratifications and actions are being taken that lead away from their spouse, then we are talking about lust. But if a husband's sexual desire really is being channeled only towards his wife, we really need to challenge the tendency to label him as lustful when he is simply responding in a way that is natural and normal for men to respond sexually to their wife. Now, I wanna take a minute here to really detail how the brain works when it comes to our thoughts, even sexual thoughts. Our brain mainly functions on autopilot, meaning that the thought we are currently thinking and know we are thinking was simply delivered to us by our brain without our active participation or choice. About 95% of our thoughts are delivered to us in this way without us choosing the thought we are actually thinking. Thoughts show up and then we realize we are thinking that thought. Even if we never said, hey, this is the thought I want to be thinking. In fact, what usually happens is that we become aware of the thought our brain delivered to us and then we think it must be true simply because we were thinking it. Now, this is a huge trap we humans get into, especially when it comes to some of the sexual concepts. Our husband might come in close to us with a big smile on his face and grab our butt, being playful and wanting to have fun and even laughing a little bit. But sometimes our brain can really do a number on us and deliver us a thought of him being so selfish and that he is just only thinking about himself and not considering us and is simply in lust with us and not really in love with us. That's when our mind can quickly spiral down the rabbit hole as it looks for past evidence of him just thinking in terms of less instead of actually challenging our own thoughts and challenging the sentence in our mind that our brain delivers to us on autopilot and unintentionally. But all of this allows us an opportunity to think about our thinking, to develop a higher skill set, and to examine the thoughts we have about our thoughts and then to challenge them all. Now, the final concept of lust comes with the word wanton. Now, wanton is an older word, and while we don't hear it very often in conversations these days, we can easily find it in the scriptures and seems to be more geared towards women and perhaps a female form of how lust can take place. So wanton means being sexually unrestrained, or having many casual sexual relations. But it also has to do with doing things deliberately and unprovoked by another, and can even become cruel and sometimes violent. An example of this could be a woman who is simply a big tease. She really starts to flirt with someone else who is not her husband, just to cause some sexual excitement within herself. 
She might be fun and playful with another man just to see if she's still got it and just to see if she can get someone else. She may enjoy the flirting and teasing so much that she may even add some elements of mischievousness or mystery to it without any intention of actually following through. The thrill of the chase is just so exciting to her, but quickly turns to being cruel when she hits them with the rejection of not taking things further. There are often undertones of being overly pampered, spoiled, self-serving, and even self-indulgent. Interestingly, another side of this could be a woman who will flirt, tease, and then actually go through with performing sexual favors for one or multiple men simply to get something that she wants. Maybe it's drugs, designer purses, expensive clothes, or a new car, and it won't even matter the cost or who else pays the price for her actions. Her sugar daddy will never really get her love or commitment of living their life together. And her husband will never really get her full commitment either, nor will he get her sexual desire or attention, only the leftovers. This is a different form of lust that we might not think of right away, but is also just as vicious and savage. So as we define and discuss what lust really is, we are discovering that sexual desire in and of itself is not lust and is not what is evil, but the lack of controlling it is. The concept of being the director of our own sexual desire, harnessing it, controlling it, and channeling it in the way that is beneficial to our marriage can actually feel very empowering when we take the time to think about it in the right way. So what do we do about all of this lust talk? First, we need to be real and honest and not call our husband lustful if he really is not being and acting lustful. But even more important than not saying it, we need to stop thinking it. We need to exchange the sentence in our head that keeps telling us that he is and exchange it for a sentence that is more beneficial to our marriage. It's not fair or right that we allow ourselves to continue thinking things about our husband that just aren't true. It damages our view of him as well as the feelings we have towards him. It also damages the way he views himself and how he views our opinion of him when we say he is lustful when he really isn't. And it also damages the marriage as a whole. We need to think about our thinking and challenge those unintentional thoughts that our brain is trying to deliver us that our husband is just lustful. We can have compassion on ourselves and for what our brain is trying to do, and then kindly redirect our brain to a better thought. We need to choose to spend our time thinking intentional thoughts about our spouse, ones that we design and we create ourselves and thoughts that have value and purpose. Second, we need to give credit where credit is due. If our husband is not skipping out on work twice a day to come home and have sex with us, if he is not spending the money in our savings account on hookers, if he is not buying lavish gifts for other women, 
If he is directing and guiding his sexual energy towards us, let's give him some credit, some big credit. Because while he cannot control the number of sexual thoughts that show up in his mind automatically and unintentionally, he is totally choosing what to do with those thoughts once they do show up. And he is choosing to channel them towards us, his wife. Let's celebrate this and let's honor this. So many of my female clients get caught in the trap of saying, why should I do all the work in this marriage? Or why should I work on trying to improve our intimacy when my husband is the one who wants it all the time? What we are not realizing in those sentences is that our husband is doing a ton of thought work already. If he is wanting to be intimate with you, his wife, he has already had thoughts about sex and has geared them towards you instead of other women. That is love. To choose you over and over and over again, every single day, to make sure that every time he has a sexual thought, maybe even every three minutes that he has a sexual thought, that he directs those thoughts so that they are centered on you, the love of his life. That takes work, a lot of work throughout the entire day. So let's really give them some credit and stop undermining the work they are actually doing to keep themselves from actually going down lustful roads with other women. Third, let's appreciate the different types of love that humans experience and stop pretending that they need to be exactly the same. They do not. Love for a child is not the same as the love of a husband and wife. There is a difference, and there is meant to be a difference. Love of a pet is also not the same. Love for a best friend or a wonderful neighbor is also not meant to be the same as what is shared between a husband and a wife. We are meant to feel love for our spouse, but also passion and sexual desire towards them, We are meant to feel like a lover. We are meant to have a desire to be with our lover and to be loved by them, to feel wanted and to be on the other end of receiving their unique expression of love, desire, and passion. We are not meant to feel unloved, undesired, or unwanted our entire life. When we get married, we go into it knowing that there will be a sexual component to it. We don't usually go into marriage thinking that we will only experience one type of love and that it will all be the same and that there will be no sex involved. And yet many of my clients, after they have had kids, start thinking that the love they need to experience between husband and wife should be the same kind that they have for their kids a non-sexual kind of love. While we do need to express our love to our spouse in other ways than just sexual ways, we shouldn't believe that the goal is to eliminate sexual love altogether. And it's especially important to know that one of the definitions of love is through sexual expression. Love includes sexual closeness and does not have to eliminate it. 
there's a balance that needs to take place where sexual love is not the only goal, but it is not an exterminated goal either. Neither extreme will serve us well. Now, fourth, let's do the math and diminish the drama. Let's just say that you and your spouse usually have sex for 30 minutes per lovemaking session. And let's say you average twice a week. That's only 60 minutes per week that your husband is actually taking action on any of his sexual thoughts or desires and initiating something. He for sure has had way more sexual thoughts than just two per week, but he has only acted on it twice. Do we know how many minutes there are in a week? It's 10,080. So if there are 10,080 minutes in a week and you subtract the 60 minutes that your husband spent to actually take the action of initiating and engaging and having sex with you, you are left with 10,020 minutes. That means that for 10,020 minutes every single week, he is totally controlling his sexual desire and channeling it. That means he is very much controlling it and directing his sexual desires towards the love of his life, his legal wife, 99% of the time. That is a lot. That is a great percentage. We need to recognize this and acknowledge this and start celebrating what our husband is doing right even though we may not have recognized it or viewed it in that way before. So this next week, let's really challenge those negative thoughts that creep in about lust and choose to view it in terms of the real definitions and not some of the false assumptions we are making about this concept. Let's level up our own thinking skills in the process knowing that when we think better about our spouse, we will feel better about our spouse. Because remember, the more you restore this type of intimacy within yourself, the more you restore it with your spouse. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you will join me again next week.